0: Christianity. And what that is, is a study through the book of James. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. So you can go ahead and turn there and be ready for it. And what we're going to talk about today is how to determine true versus false religion. So I want to start off by doing a little quiz. Anybody good at quizzes? So you didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz here today, did you? This is going to be one of the true-false quizzes, so you're going to have to determine whether or not these statements that I'm about to share are true or false. Okay? Statement number one is that on a standard dice, the opposite sides will always add up to seven. True or false, what do you think? Anybody got some dice with them? I just didn't know what you expected to happen at church this morning. I actually do have a dice with me, and uh, it it is true. 5 On one side and two on the other, four and three on the other. The standard dice, the sides opposite, will always equal seven. Somebody got some dice over there I need to know about? (laughs) So how'd you do on that one? True. That one wasn't so bad, maybe. If you could picture what a dice looked like. Statement number two. A lock of Elvis Presley's hair sold at an Internet auction for over $115,000. Anybody got a lock of Elvis's? No, okay, probably not. I certainly don't. A lock of Elvis's hair sold at auction for over $115,000. What do you think? True? It is. It, it was an internet auction by MastroNet Incorporated. It actually sold for $115,120 online back in 2002. How they verified, I don't know. That was, they, Somehow they knew that that was Elvis's hair. So they did pretty good on that one. All right, statement number three. Apple pie was the first food that was eaten in space by an American astronaut. Apple pie was the first food eaten in space by an American astronaut. What do you think? False? You guys are good this morning. It actually was applesauce by John Glenn back in 1962. I thought that would be tricky because it's an American apple pie. That was pretty good. This one's not too hard. Maybe. Maybe. Yoda from Star Wars was actually modeled after a picture of Albert Einstein. What do you think? Yoda from Star Wars was actually modeled after a picture of Albert Einstein. True, false? That one's actually true as well. Special effects artist Stuart Freeborn found inspiration from a poster he had on his office wall. Last one. Now this one might be be tricky. There is actually cell phone reception... On the summit of Mount Everest, there is cell phone reception. On the summit of Mount Everest, not Wi-Fi, cell phone service. True, false. It's actually true. Uh, There is 4G LTE service on the summit of Mount Everest, thanks to China Mobile. You guys did pretty good on those quizzes. So let me ask you, how do you determine whether a statement's true or false? Maybe it was the way I presented it. Maybe I kind of gave a little tell about stuff that was true or stuff that was false. Maybe it was stuff that you already knew. Maybe you knew that John Glenn was the first astronaut to eat in, uh, American astronaut to eat in space and he had applesauce. Maybe you knew all these things. Well, it's good that we can discern and determine what is true when it comes to you know, trivial facts like that. But it's even more important that we look at our faith, our religion, and determine whether or not it is the true religion that we're following. So what do we mean by religion? Well, in a very general sense, somebody would define religion as a belief or worship of the supernatural. So what you believe about and what you worship about the supernatural, that's a very broad kind of general term. Some people would look at religion as an organized system of rules, behaviors, and beliefs. And maybe that's what a lot of people think of. This is a set system that you have to follow and you have to adhere to, and that's the religion. And that's why a lot of us will say that actually Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about all the rules and fitting into this box. So what I think is probably a better definition, though it's really hard to define religion, there's a lot of debate over it, but I think just a simple definition of religion is this. How we relate to God, ourselves, and the world through Jesus Christ. How we relate, relate to God, ourselves, and the world through Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at today. What is true and what is false religion according to James? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for today, and we thank you that your word speaks to us, and we thank you for the practical nature of James, that it's something we can apply to our everyday life. It takes these great concepts and makes it real to us. So God, we thank you, and we pray that our hearts and our minds will be open. We praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you determine if something is real or something is fake? How do you determine authenticity when it comes to our faith? You ever watch any of those shows like the pawn shop shows like Pawn Stars or anything like that? How do they determine authenticity? Cuz you have people come in and bring some amazing things. I saw one it was a Civil War sword that they had and they thought, you know, it's worth all these millions of dollars. It was, you know, a Robert E. Lee sword and all this And the person who owned it sure made some pretty big claims about it. And they brought it in, and of course, if the pawn shop owner believed everything that every owner said, they'd run out of business because every owner thinks that what they have is true and authentic. No, they put it to some tests. The pawn shop owners, they bring in experts who know what it is. They can identify by dating, by some of the markings on it. So they, they, they put these things to the test to determine whether or not it's authentic, And that's what James is calling us to do with our faith. In fact, James is going to give us four tests that we can put our faith to to determine whether or not it's genuine. It's kind of like this stool. This stool here has four legs to it, and each of these four legs serve a purpose. You put it down, I can now have a seat while I'm talking to you all here this morning. It will support me because all four legs are there and they're working together. But if you take out any one of those legs, this thing's going to come toppling over. Right now, it's useful. But you take out one of those, and all of a sudden, it becomes a hazard. So this stool needs all four legs, just like our faith needs to pass these four tests. So the four tests we're going to look at begin in James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So he tells us what that very first test is. Whether or not our faith is genuine is determined by how we listen. Listening is the first test that it has to face. There's an ancient philosopher, Epictetus, that said, We have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. And I know that I wish that were true for me, and I know that if that were true for some of you all, you must be awfully good listeners, because there have been many times, and you guys know who you are, that I have shut down these doors, these lights, this building an hour, an hour and a half, two hours after the services are done, because we've gotten caught up in conversations. There's a good handful of y'all that I've done that with. Now, my family would look at me and say, well, you know what the common factor is there, right? It's you. You're the one that won't stop talking, and I'm guilty as charged on that. That is me. In fact, I love this meme. This, This reminds me probably how my kids feel every single Sunday and Wednesday. You've seen this meme here. It says, when church is over and you're trying to leave, but your mom keeps talking. That's the face you make. That is my kids every single Sunday when I'm, caught up talking after church. So guilty as charged. I I wish I listened twice as much as, as I talked. You know, and we just spent six weeks talking about what it means to listen to God. Learning to listen. How important that is that we stop, that we quiet ourselves, that we listen to God's word, that we pray and we hear from him. Because listening is one of those things we have to develop. It doesn't come naturally to us. It takes focus. It takes energy. It takes time and it takes patience to listen. It is a slow process because you have to focus on the person. You have to know the context and the purpose behind what they're saying and try to process that. And so what that means is the quicker we are to turn off our ears and to speak, the more misunderstandings occur. The more we are quick to become angry. And James says that is not what we should do. We should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Sometimes we refer to it as getting defensive. You know, we hear something and it offends us immediately and we get defensive, we shut down and we just wait for our chance to, to fight back, to argue. Let me ask you, what relationship, what conversations have ever turned out well where someone closed their ears and their mind and just waited to respond, just wanted to fight back and got defensive? Well, pretty much zero. No conversation goes well when somebody shuts down and they're just waiting to respond in a defensive manner. Proverbs tells it like this. Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient will calm a quarrel. Do you see the difference? Proverbs tells us that if you're quick on your temper, then you stir up conflict. But if you're patient, you can calm down. A quarrel, a fight, a a difficult situation. James just agrees with this. He says that because, verse 20, the human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. Our anger does not produce the kind of life the kind of people, the kind of response that God desires in us. So we should be slow to become angry. Now, getting angry isn't a sin. Getting angry is an emotional reaction to a circumstance. Jesus got angry. We've talked about that before. But our anger can be a gateway to sin. So what is it that is guiding us? What is it that we're listening to? Because What we listen to matters. Do we listen to our own voices? Do we listen to the voices of society, the voices that are turning us away from God, to the sin that's in our hearts? Do we listen to our own anger? Our human nature is inclined to sin. Our own judgment isn't always right. And even our consciences can lead us astray if they're not being transformed by the word of God. James says that you should listen to the word that has been planted in you. Jesus told the parable of the sower. He said the sower scattered seeds. Some of it fell on the path. Some of it fell among the rocks. Some of it fell in the thorns. And what did Jesus say? Some of it fell on the good soil. And when they asked him to explain what that meant, he said, the seed is the word of God. Some of it wasn't received at all. Some of it didn't have any root. Some of it... Did plant itself, but because of all the cares of this world, it was choked out. But some of it fell in the good soil, and it grew, and it produced fruit. James says, listen to the word that has been planted within you. That's the gospel. When you receive the good news of Jesus Christ, God's word is planted in your heart. It guides you. And we should listen to that. Don't drown out that voice. You say, well, okay, but we talked about Jesus getting angry. Well, what was it that Jesus actually got angry about? It wasn't when he was personally wrong, because when they accused him of all sorts of lies and all sorts of things, he remained silent. No, Jesus got angry about things that were not producing fruit. You think about when he went and argued with the Pharisees. The thing that he got the most angry about with the Pharisees was because they were leading people astray, claiming that they knew God's word, but they were making them just as much sons of hell as they were, Jesus said. He also got upset when he went into the marketplace, or went into the temple and had been turned into a marketplace. And why was that? Because they were cheating people, and they were preventing people from coming to worship God. They had turned God's house into a den of thieves, so Jesus got angry because of the fruit that they were producing, sinful, turning people away. Probably the most basic example of it, it was the fig tree. When Jesus walked to Jerusalem, he saw a fig tree, he passed by, he wanted to grab some figs. There were no figs. There was no fruit when there should have been. So Jesus cursed the fig tree and he used it as an example, he said that if a tree doesn't plant, doesn't produce fruit, it is worthless. Matthew chapter 7, verse 19 through 21, Jesus says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus says that simply saying that you believe something, simply hearing but not doing, not producing fruit, that is meaningless you might say those things you might act a certain way but if there is not fruit that is in accordance to righteousness in your life then you are not following true religion true faith this lines up with the very next thing that james tells us verse 22 james chapter 1 says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says So the second test that James gives us, that we have to pass our faith through to know whether or not it's genuine, is doing. Doing. Are we acting on what we've heard? Hearing's important. We have to hear. It says faith comes by hearing, and hearing is the word of God. You have to hear it, but don't just let it stay up here. It needs to produce action in your life. Jesus gives us, James gives us another great illustration. Continue, verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This is what I love about James. He takes these concepts and he puts them into a practical thing. How many of you, like me, have ever walked into a room and completely forgot what you were doing? That happens to me more than I'd like to admit. I get my mind on so many things. Maybe it's habit. Maybe I, I just have a thought and I have to act on it. And then as soon as I'm there, I completely forget why I even entered that room. And what I have to do is I have to end up going back and retracing my steps, remembering what it was I was doing that led me to doing that. And sometimes I don't remember. Sometimes I was like, okay, well, I'll figure it out later. And then later on that day or days later, I'll remember that's what I needed to do. That happens more often than I'd like to admit. Well, why does that happen? I think because we get too distracted. We get too focused on other things, too distracted by other things going on in our mind. And James says that when we look at God's word, when we read the word, when we hear it preached, when God convicts us, it's not enough just to say, oh, that was a great message. Oh, that was a great sermon. Or God, you really spoke to me through reading this morning. If that's all it does, is give us that feel-good moment for just a little bit, then that is not enough. We need to be responding. We need to be acting on it. In the first century, their mirrors were not made of the shiny glass like we have today. In fact, they were made out of polished metal. And so it wasn't easy to always see a perfect reflection of yourself in those mirrors of that day. You really had to focus if you just did a quick glance in the mirror, you don't know what you might see in those polished metal mirrors. So you had to look intently. You had to focus. And the purpose of a mirror is to reveal what you look like. God's word has that purpose, too. When we look into God's word, it reveals our hearts. It reveals God's heart for us. It reveals to us how we can change, how we can be more like Christ. And James says we need to be looking intently into the word of God. Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God's word reveals everything about ourselves. We can study it and we can be transformed by it. But that knowledge needs to move from up here and it needs to move to down here in our hearts. It needs to make a change. And so when we read the word and we're convicted, when we hear a message or a song or somehow God speaks to us through a circumstance and we're convicted, we need to act on it. Immediate action is required. So many times we talk ourselves out of following God. We get that prompting and we tell ourselves, well, but that's That's awkward, or that's uncomfortable, or the timing's not right. I need things to be perfect before I can respond the way that God wants me to. And God's not saying, wait for the time to be perfect. He's saying, I want you to respond now. I want you to put your faith in me now. I want you to turn this over to me now. I want you to go and do this walk by faith now. Immediate action is required. And there's a promise here that we miss out on when we don't. Follow Christ immediately. The promise that we just read from James is that the perfect law that gives freedom, it sets us free. you ever been bound by indecision? That is one of my weaknesses. I will tell you right now. It's that paralysis by analysis. And it's horrible when you're trying to make a decision, especially something that is impactful on your whole life. But when you step out on faith, when you follow God's prompting, even if you don't understand where it's leading, what it means, what the consequences might be, but when you follow the prompting of God, there is freedom because you are turning over control of your life into the one who's in control of all things. There is freedom, there is release, and there is peace when you walk by faith. And this is something we sorely miss out on. Because we have excuses to talk ourselves out of following God. But James says that when you do, and not just hear, but when you hear and do, there is freedom. James now shifts gears in verse 26. We've talked about some things we can do in order to produce genuine faith. This one, verse 26, this is kind of a warning. This is something to look out for. Because this is something we all struggle with. Verse 26. Those who consider themselves to be religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Let that sink in for a moment. You can believe all the right things. You can do all the right things to be a part of a church, to the, the, the religion that you were taught growing up. You can follow all these right things, but if your words are empty, if your words are hurtful, if they're full of fear, full of worry, full of doubt, not full of faith, then your religion is worthless. The third test that our faith has to pass through is speaking. What do our words say about our hearts and our faith? James talks a lot about words in the next chapter, in the next couple of chapters. Jesus said the same thing. This is why, one of the reasons why they think that James was Jesus' brother, because they echo a lot of the same ideas. James shares a lot of the same things that Jesus shared in his ministry. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Let that last line sit in to you, because... It says everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. This doesn't just mean people that aren't saved. Jesus says everyone. Everyone will have to give an account for the empty words they have spoken. And the verse we just read in James said that if you don't control your speech, your tongue, then your religion is worthless. That word for worthless religion It means empty, done in vain. So, empty words, Jesus and James agree, reveal an empty heart and therefore an empty religion. So, what we need to remember is that an uncontrolled tongue leads to an empty life. An uncontrolled tongue leads to an empty life. It doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge you have. It doesn't matter how many years you've been a part of a church. It doesn't matter how much money you gave this morning in the offering plate. If your words reveal your heart to be empty, then your religion is worthless. So what is ruling our hearts? Are our hearts ruled by Christ Or are we still the one on the throne making all the decisions? This is a daily struggle. Every day we have to battle to take ourselves off of that throne and to put Christ on it. And here's the promise, though. The more we do it, the easier it becomes. See, because right now, a lot of us want to be sitting on our throne. We want to be making our own decisions. We want to feel like we're in control of our life. But that's not the kind of life that God calls us to. That's not the life of faith. So we take ourselves off that throne and we put Christ on it every single day. And the more we do it, the easier it becomes because it becomes a habit to us. And the quickest way we can start to do that is by our speech. When we submit our language, our words to God, we start giving him a little bit more control. We start living a little bit more by faith. And so, speak words of faith. Speak words of life. Turn away from those empty words of sin and death and doubt and worry and fear and turn to God with words of faith. Verse 27, James chapter 1. He tells us the fourth test. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The fourth test, the fourth leg on this stool is blessing. Who are we blessing? Are we blessing others and are we blessing the world? Because that's what he's called us to do. If we are followers of Christ, he wants us to care for those who are in need. Who are those that you can help right now? Mother Teresa said that we should help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest to you. Care for those who are in need. So who is it in your life that you can care for and make an impact, be a blessing right now? The second thing he tells us to do, he says we should change the world But do not let the world change you. Change the world, but do not let the world change you. We've been given the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power to transform lives. It is the power to remove sin. It is the power of eternal life. And we are given a responsibility to be in the world, but not of the world. But that doesn't mean to be sheltered. It doesn't mean to be in your Christian bubble And never go anywhere but your home and the church doors. It means that we are supposed to be in this world as salt and light, spreading the good news. We talked about it last week, that we are the first fruits. That means that God chose us in Jesus Christ to go out on a mission. To go out and spread the news and impact the lives of people. Just like the four legs of this stool. We have listening, we have doing, we have speaking, and we have blessing. All four of those legs are needed for this stool to be able to stand. Our faith needs all four of those things for it to be tested to be genuine. We began with a true-false quiz. Let's end with one. True or false, God loves you? True. Your sins have separated you from him. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you could have eternal life. God has called you for a purpose. And God can change this world. Amen. Let's let our faith be genuine. Let's practice true religion. Let's be authentic in the way we live our lives and we put what we say we believe into practice. Because that situation that you're dealing with right now, that person that you're dealing with right now, God can handle it. God can change it. God can bring life to it by the power of his word and his spirit. And we have a mission. And that's to bring that goodness into the world. Change the world. Don't let the world change you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today that you changed us you changed our world by sending Jesus into it, that our sins separated us, but you loved us and you sent him to redeem us. Father God, your work is not done. While we are breathing, there is work for us to do. So God, I pray that we would be inspired by the words of James and by the call and the mission of the gospel to reach out to those in need, to be a light in the darkness, to share the good news that everyone so desperately needs. And that you would change hearts, that you would change lives, that you would change families, that you would change workplaces, that you would change schools, that you would change our world by the power of Jesus Christ in whom we trust and in whom we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to offer a time